Welcome to Mind Rolling. I'm David Silver with my compadre, Raghu Marcus, the Hi famous. Dave. Hi. <laughs> the famous. Oh, yeah. Well, throughout the Hawaiian Islands and certain parts of, of East Guinea. Sumatra. Sumatra. Um, how are you doing today? I'm great. Actually, I'm very happy to be here in, here in the wonderful Asheville, uh, you know, the residents of yeah. North Carolina. The, the Appalachians. Yes. The, those of us have been calling the Appalachians for years are wrong. It's the Appalachians, I'm told. That's right. Okay. Um, so w- we have a new segment, <laughs> news from the end of the world, and, and David does the uh, research on this news. And uh, in fact, uh, he doesn't have to go very far. What's the latest, uh, Mr. Silver? Well, I found one today. Uh, this is really encouraging and positive. Uh, it's called, it's in the Huff Post, and the title is, it'll give you everything. Tea Party Candidate says it's okay to stone gaze to death. Okay? I, okay, now, everyone who's listening is going to go, no. This is, it's not real. It's okay, we made this up. We, or, it, no. It's, it's legit, totally right? real. I'm going to go, I'm going to read a little bit Okay, of it. go. Not much of it. Scott-esque. A Republican Tea Party candidate in Oklahoma got into a debate on Facebook last summer in which he advocated killing homosexuals. He said, I think we would totally, we'd be totally in the right to do it. Okay? That goes against some parts of libertarianism, I realize, and I'm largely libertarian. It might. But ignoring as a nation things that are worthy of death is very remiss. Uh, when pressed, Esk added, I never said I would author legislation to put homosexuals to death but I didn't have a problem with it. Okay? He's running for the state's House of Representatives. Wh- what state is this? Oklahoma, a place where I go frequently. And the peop- most of the people in Oklahoma are really delightful and friendly. But Mr. Esk, I think, is um, not one of them. Uh, anyway, so he said that. And he actually said, I want to go more about this. He said, it was done in the Old Testament under a law that came directly from God. And in that time there, it was totally just. It came directly from God, Esk said, adding, I have no plans to reinstitute that in Oklahoma law. I do have some very huge moral misgivings about those kinds of sins. That's the first one. Then underneath it... Wait, I have to say, though, okay. just about this. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, we actually, you know, you read stuff from, from the Middle East and so on, right? It's part of the thing, you know, dishonor and people, you know, having love matches and the, you know, and so they stone them there, you know. Uh, it, it Now that it's arrived on our shores, hmm. uh, it certainly changes things up a little bit in terms of how you, th- you know, us and them. Gee, this is us. This is us. This This is is America. Yeah. I mean, to give it its due, I don't think this guy's going to be elected, but who knows? (laughs) Uh, The other one I've got, which I've never read, but so this is impromptu, but it's another headline, which I'm going to hit on my iPad. GOP state senator asks why America can't be more like Saudi Arabia, which completely ties in with what Raga just said. Well, yeah. This guy's going to make it like that. Yeah. And it, this, I'm just going to read a little bit of this because I just don't want to propagate any of it. A Republican state legislator miffed about an Arkansas judge's ruling that struck down the state's same-sex marriage ban suggested on a conservative radio show that politicians should emulate Saudi Arabia by basing laws off Christian doctrine as Saudi Arabia does with Islam. I'm going to mention his name. State Senator Jason Rappert appeared on the Dave Ellswick show 
uh, wherever that is, last week, where he discussed Pulaski, and then he goes on about it, and basically he's saying, look, you know, Saudi Arabia's got it right. They don't like certain things, so, you know, let's just stone them to death or kill them. And that's the Tea Party, and that's news from the end of the world, and we and, and Raghu's now going to do a little forgiveness of this of these two uh, well, we're, gentlemen. Well, we have to, well we have more we have you know there's we're, we're, it's it's a two way street we have to sort of forgive ourselves first right. for the thoughts that we have about these uh, insane people that we right. would like you know they want to stone uh, people to death. And as soon as you hear that, you want to have them strangled and uh, thrown over a cliff, okay? That's usually our, our reaction. Yeah. Uh, and um, so we we have a good friend, Dave and I, and he wrote this great article around forgiveness. And uh, it just reminded us, because, as, as, you know, as soon as we have these kind of reactions towards people like that, towards, you know, Tea Party people who espouse the most... Um, uh, limiting and small-minded and cruel, and I could go on and on, uh, uh, you know. And then it's uh, as you go on and on, and you get in in you know in yourself, you the tone builds up, and once the tone builds up, then it goes to the next level of of outright you know outrageous anger and so on and so forth, and then you get wrapped up and you end up just like them. Right. In I think John Stewart. Another. I think actually John Stewart and Colbert do this very well, because John Stewart. I don't know him or anything, but uh, my partner in life knows him, and says that when she has spent time with him, he's one of the gentlest, sweetest, and kindest, uh, compassionate people she's met. And he simply is not full of rage or hate or anything. But he points this stuff out in a way that's humorous. Is that okay? I mean, I guess it is, right, to be humorous and satirical about this as long as mm-hmm. there's no rage in there, where then, you know, then you're just doing what they do. We yeah. talk about this a lot on Mind Rolling, and I think it's okay to do that because um, our listeners uh, occasionally write to us about, what do I do? I'm just so crazed by some of this horrific stuff I read, and how do we deal with that? And I would just say, you know, read... Uh, or go to retreats with Roshi Joan Halifax or Sharon Salzberg or many incredible teachers who tell us uh, there is a way to both be um, critical and uh, op- and awake about this, this creeping um, fascism, really, and yet not to uh, allow it to become a, a source of, of rage and hostility in oneself. Yeah, and you become what it is that you're... Uh Right. Trying to take action against protesting against, and and it a lot of this does lead to uh, this topic uh, because it's not this is not a popular topic. It's certainly, forgiveness is not a popular topic, uh, yeah. and certainly as a as a country, what you know what we have done over, well, not just uh, over decades, but uh, you know go back to um, you know the Native Americans and so on. Um, but he, his so our friend's name is George Pitagorsky. George is a great person. Hey, George, uh, Linda. Hi. Yeah, and uh, so you know, so just talking about uh, holding grudges on a personal level leads to family feuds, anger, and isolation. It breaks up families 
and ends friendships. Fathers and brothers kill daughters and sisters in the name of family honor, which is what we were just talking about relative to this maniac wanting to stone um, gay people. Um, and in the name of family honor, instead of forgiving them for whatever they might have done or not done, and certainly within the mores of their culture and religion. Brothers and sisters stop talking over some perceived injustice or inequity. That's a lot easier for us to relate with. I know how, how many of us in our families, uh, if not lifetime, but certainly periods, go through not talking to a sibling, not uh, talking to a parent. Um, you know, that's, that's as common. I mean, that happens, uh, you know, often, often. Um, Old friends disengage over a slight or hurtful encounter. Long-married couples endure lifelong enmity, right? And so, um, and uh, there's a wonderful quote here, Dave, uh, from uh, Gandhi. The weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is an attribute of the strong. I, I mean, that is, a, you know, so absolutely right on. And, uh, and this, this, by the way, when we talk about forgiveness, forgiveness, we are not just talking about forgiving somebody else. We're talking about forgiving ourselves as much. Not being able to forgive yourself for past failures leads to a stagnant, often unconscious inability to skillfully and happily move ahead in life while appreciating the moment at hand. On a geopolitical level, the lack of forgiveness leads to atrocities and wars. One ethnic group slaughters or enslaves another and sets in motion strife that erupts in wars or massacres, massacres for hundreds if not thousands of years. Just think about it. Mm. And that this one little word can, can absolutely open up, you know, uh, it, it's, it's like a... Um, you know, taking immovable object and putting uh, a leverage, you know, an iron bar underneath, a, you know, a whole stack of stones and just open it a little bit. You know, I think forgiveness is that. Um, so he and he gives some really great um, uh, forgiveness is uh, an intentional and voluntary process driven by a decision to forgive, so that's intention. The victim fully recognizes that he or she has been hurt and deserved better treatment. Forgiveness involves change in attitude. Negative emotions and the urge to retaliate or stay separate from the offender are given up. So it's a real practice. This is not just, oh, look, you know, I'm sorry, forgive you, whatever. These are just words. You actually, you know, the idea is that it, it is something to consciously apply and have intent to uh, to uh, have a rapprochement is the French word, to come together with somebody with the idea that we can no longer have this between us, you know. And these kinds of things, you know, when he talks about geopolitical level and it's so obvious and, and how over thousands of years, you know, the Jews and the Arabs and so on and so forth are good examples or tri internecine tribal feuds that in Africa are, that are happening, you know, to this day. Um, you know, 
it takes one individual in your own little milieu, in your own little family, to open the crack, to, to crack this thing open. And then that's all we can do, right? I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to uh, just relate something I saw on television last week. Um, I watched the D-Day celebrations for a little while, uh, you know, because I'm not a big one for military sort of rituals, but D-Day was amazing. I mean, thousands and thousands of Americans and Brits and others invading uh, the coastline of Normandy with Nazi gunners machine gunners just right there to shoot as many of them as they could. And I think close to 10,000 Americans died in a few hours. And uh, Chuck Todd from MSNBC NBC, um, interviewed a 92-year-old veteran uh, who was born in Germany, uh, Jewish, but moved to America and then uh, volunteer, volunteered for the uh, army. And um, he was captured by the Nazis three times and escaped three times. Mm. But the third time, I think it was, he was actually captured by the SS Gestapo, mm. who were probably the worst, you know, cruelest people, uh, at least in our lifetimes or previous lifetimes. <laughs> anyway, uh, they took him in a room and they hurt him. Uh, they broke all his fingers immediately. And then they left him. And he was just completely didn't know what to think or what to do. His pain and, and suffering of a very intense kind. And then a few hours later, uh, an SS uh, officer, commandant actually, came into the room, sat down next to him. Now, this fellow spoke fluent German. So the SS guy was able to communicate with him without a, an interpreter and said, I am deeply ashamed and mortified by what we're doing. And what they did to you, I cannot believe they did it. I couldn't stop it. They'll kill me. But I'm going to help you escape. And he did. Yeah. And this uh, wonderful 92-year-old guy, who was completely articulate, by the way, um, escaped with the help of the commandant, who got him a pass of some kind, and some kind of disguise to get him out of there. And I just thought this was a remarkable story in every way. And it was kind of funny, because Chuck Todd said to him, well, you know, war is war. I, I, you know, how terrible. And then this guy just stuck his hand up in the air, and he said, yeah. And I just want everybody to know this. The wars in Iraq and Afghanistan were evil, wrong, and immoral. I just want you to know really? that. Yeah, it was astonishing. It was live. Wow. I'm watching it at 9 o'clock in the morning and thinking, oh, my goodness, what a remarkable human being. Military guys, you know, sometimes have seen so much suffering that they turn out to be uh, later extremely gentle men and women who've just seen everything, and they know how bad it is. And this guy... Let's not say he forgave the Nazis, but he saw some person there who went against his right. and and just let him go. And and I think that's just amazing. By the way, anybody who's ever met George Pitagorsky, um, the writer of this piece, he's a gentle giant. I hope he doesn't mind my saying that. He towers above me at any rate, and um, a gentle, a gentler and more uh, perceptive uh, soul. You'd find you'd find it very hard to find one so and i uh, hear go uh, george the uh there's one last uh, little yeah. bit from this that i think it's it, it's also a story which i've heard before actually directly it, it uh, let me tell the story first recognize so he says first recognize that forgiveness helps the forgiver more than anyone right 
forgiveness helps the forgiver more than anyone. Forgiveness alleviates the pain of anger and releases the bonds of a past event. I mean, that is such you know, right to the heart of this. Yeah. And here's the story which I've heard. It's a story from Tibet recounts a meeting between two monks who were imprisoned and tortured by their jailers. Um, when one asks the other if he has forgiven them, the other responds that he will never forgive them. And the first, the, so the first monk says to him, well, they still have you in prison, don't they? Wow. I mean, and I actually met um, a Tibetan Lama who uh, was imprisoned uh, for over 20 years, I believe. Um, uh, and, uh, and, he, he, and he was not, you know, many people who have this happen to them, you know, they're not that willing to talk about it. Uh, but in prison, he had whatever, in, he had enlightenment experience. I mean, you know, I mean... He was an amazing, amazing lama, and I wouldn't know, not being there, the in, in, in the extent of it. I mean, I, I mean, I usually compare all of these beings to Neem Karoli Baba Maharaji, my guru, because I knew immediately because there was just absolutely no, uh, no ego in there. There was no back and forth. It was a non an experience of just one wayness. Uh, and uh, but there's all there are many levels of uh, enlightenment enlightenment um, all the way to the final level um, and this being obviously had some major accomplishment his name is Garchen Rinpoche an amazing Tibetan Lama who spent all that time and he said himself I never ever blamed the Chinese I never blamed them and um, and th and I use that as a transforming experience for myself. And so he actually, I mean, to, to imagine going through that and actually embodying the teachings in that kind of a environment is just uh, staggering. So, you know, these people are incredible examples for us. Um, so uh, that's um, part of our new segment, News from the End of the World, with our little antidote, uh, with about forgiveness because uh, every day we're reacting to news from the end of the world, right? So pretty amazing. Uh, now, uh, Dave. Yeah. Something uh, here's an, a segment that we we haven't done in a long time, and that is uh, we've got some new music. We're gonna turn on, tune in, and drop out for a moment here, um, and uh, I uh, so. Let's uh, let's just play, and then let's. We're not going to play the whole thing because it's too long. Y'all may get bored, or maybe not. We'll figure it out. Let's play a little of this, okay? Go okay. ahead, and then we'll tell you who it is.
That was um, called um, Sierra Leone, I think, and it's by Mount Eden Dubstep. And we thank Julie Shiva Hale, the great, our great friend from the West Coast, who uh, brought this to our attention. And uh, through her son Beckett, thank yeah. you, Beckett. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we got another one from Julie that we're going to play in a second. Um, of course, this leads me to, you know, uh, we're playing, this is, you know, something we hadn't heard before, and, and uh, we're being turned on by, uh, I think he's still a teenager, Beckett, I believe so, and uh, and he, um, so this is something that we want to turn everybody else on to, because this was super cool, Yeah. you know, I mean, uh, you know, dubstep, uh, and uh, David... Okay, it is your turn, okay? Because this, I get reminded, we do these podcasts. All right. We're supposed to say something at the very beginning because what if, you know, people listen in the beginning but they don't listen. Maybe they get, you know, they fall asleep. Oh, nobody's falling asleep to that song, though. No, that, no. That'll no. be good. You know, I, we hear people say, you know, how much uh, our voices are, maybe it's more particularly mine because of my... Uh, radio uh history but uh that they fall asleep to it okay <laughs> so uh, here's what's going to happen P i expect and my wife does this all the time she'll listen and then she falls asleep after about you know a minute and a half or two minutes then suddenly this dubstep thing's gonna wake you <laughs> up okay great well i'm told that um ads uh, work better if they're in an english accent so i'm gonna do uh, being english really i'm gonna yeah well, that's obviously ridiculous but that's what they say and you'll notice on tv there are a lot of ads for you know sort of mops and 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 you know disinfectants that are spoken in this terribly you know so um <laughs> here we go um if you go to our amazon portal on mindrollingpodcast.com you can go through there and buy anything you are in your heart's delight uh, for the same price as if you didn't go through the Amazon portal, and we get a small amount of pounds, shillings, and pence out of that. Shekels, dollars, money to support this venture. 
So if you're feeling particularly generous and everything, uh, you can support us by just going to this is my David Beckham voice. You can go to <laughs> Amazon Portal, I mean the portal, Amazon Portal on mymrollingpodcast.com and buy something and we benefit. And if you like us, do it. If you don't like us, well, then why are you listening? All right? That's it. That's it. Or just make a donation <laughs> or buy a T-shirt or go through the Audible portal and uh, you can get a free subscription and get any audio books that you would like and uh and after a month you can cancel but that first time you do it we get what fifteen dollars maybe i think we do from audible yeah which seems like a lot but it isn't like this is happening all the time people you know buy audible books and but you know you'd be surprised how enjoyable it is sometimes to listen to something uh, this is on very the special. go yeah on, on the, the go. go or listening to it's like listening to a podcast you listen to a book yeah you know, and yeah. you're on the go, so it's a it's a good thing. I listened to the entire Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle on an audiobook uh, in bed sl- uh, before I went to sleep, and and you know, I, it was he, he himself was narrating it, and it was really, really? yeah with that uh, accent. Well, it? he says now, if you <laughs> go to your bedroom and sit on the bed. Uh, you will find that instead of just going to sleep, you will become aware of the nowness. Um, and I found this out from Ram. Oh no, I'm not going to say I found it out from Ram Dass. I <laughs> discovered it myself. Anyway, <laughs> enough of that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Play me another. Play us a song. All right. Um, this Mr. is another Tambourine tune, man. and uh, it's. Uh, we'll talk about it afterwards. All right.
That was um, uh, M... M83, M83. M83. M83, yeah, my glasses are not right. Uh, we, own, we Own the Sky is the name of that. I love that ambient uh, sound behind those soaring voices. Very nice. Thank you, Beckett. Um, and Julie, yeah. And Julie. So, yeah, this yeah. is new music. Again, go to Amazon and buy these records. They used to be called records, CDs, or download them. And uh, we have one more. Yeah. Should we save it for a little? It's a bit different, so we should. No, I. You no, want to bring it in right a, now? Yeah, because you know that was what I did when I was on. Uh, you know, had that radio station. Uh, we it was called free form radio, so we would go from you know one completely dissimilar thing to another, and uh, somehow it made sense in the end. And we'll see if this does. This this is completely different, but um, this group is. Uh, you know, fast catching on. Go ahead, play. Rose after all, a passenger plane. Headed out again, running all in vain. Motel blues, only Never looking for you, you find me all the same. I lie awake at night and visioning a trace from the past. This heavy heart of mine, it never fails to bring me right back.
Lovely. Ah, uh, that's a, a band called First Aid Kit. Uh, Ragu uh, found them. I didn't know of them. I yeah, they're becoming uh, big. You know, they're, uh, they're I believe uh, they're from uh, Australia or New Zealand. Oh, they're not from Nashville. Wow. No, and uh, and I generally we just were talking about this before. Uh, you were mentioning some a friend of yours who hates country music, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not into country music, but uh, I am into alt country. You know, Lucinda Williams, and I mean, and this really reminds me of Emmy Lou Harris, uh, yeah. uh, uh, quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, but there's something about these girls, uh, you know. But boy, do they sing beautifully together. I believe they're sisters. I'm not positive, but um, you know, take a look, look them up, go to Amazon. This yeah. is a, they have a brand new record out. Uh, and, uh, I think, uh, you know, this is pretty connective music. Uh, I yeah. really loved it. I, yeah. you know, I, 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 have always been a bit condescending about country music, which is wrong, but I went to a concert, um, not long ago, uh, which Eric Clapton does every year for, uh, his, uh, center, uh, for musicians, uh, it's a, a sort of a charitable. No, it's a drug. It's uh, a drug re rehab. Really, right? You rehab yeah. in the Bahamas, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, uh, at one moment, um, uh, Eric introduced um, Keith Richards onto the stage and and Keith Urban, and uh, they played, I think, uh, a Chuck Berry song. I'm not. Don't remember. I'm sorry about that. But w what we were all struck by at Madison Square Garden was just how Keith Urban blew everybody off the stage. Mm. I mean, you, and you know, you're not talking about you know beginners here. You're talking about Eric Clapton and Keith Richards, and it, 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 it was a standing ovation. And Urban plays guitar, and it, it's so amazing because the some of the new country people are playing rock and roll, really, but with a country tinge and with an attitude. But no one can take away from them their musicianship and dedication to it. And I, I've read a few interviews with Mr. Urban, and he's uh, he looks about twenty, but he's forty six years old, and he's been avidly studying every kind of music for 30 mm. years and Fleetwood Mac and Jackson Brown are his idols mm. and yet uh he's still a country a country guy and mm. I think uh wonderful so yeah I saw him somewhere too he's really amazing yeah, yeah so he yeah. cuts through yeah, there's uh, real music cuts through genres and that's all there is to it yeah yeah so uh yeah. so that's our uh musical segment uh, Mr. Silver yeah. today on my we haven't had one so David said to me what's up with you know playing some music um, and I said, well, we can go to jail. That's one of the things that's <laughs> up. Uh, but so we're taking a wild shot here and yeah. uh, we'll we'll let you know, which is another you. We would hate to have to do a fundraiser to get Dave and I out of jail. Now. Yeah, that would so be bad. Maybe we need to build this up now in case. So please do come to mindrollingpodcast.com yes. and donate uh, <laughs> release uh, from jail Thank card. Um, so uh, another thing. um uh, something else just to switch gears and you know i don't want to be a the music just uplifts you and yeah. and makes you f i mean you know it was just wonderful just spend those few moments like that um and so i don't want to be a bummer here uh but i i there's an article by um that i found it's quite some time ago actually by another friend mark epstein and uh, Mark is a psychotherapist and author, um, and he has a book that is out now called The Trauma of Everyday Life. Everybody can relate to that one. That's uh, not a problem. Trauma, he says, is not just the result of major disasters. It does not happen to only some people. 
an undercurrent of trauma runs through ordinary life, shot through as it is with the poignancy of impermanence. I'd, I like to say that we are not suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. We are suffering from pre-traumatic stress disorder. Wow. Right? There is no way to be alive without being conscious of the potential for disaster. That's really dramatic. One way or another, death and its cousins. Did you know death has some cousins? Never knew that. Yeah, old age, illness, accident, separation, and loss. Those are death's cousins. Uh, very intimate cousins, uh, hangs over all of us. Nobody is immune. Our world is unstable and unpredictable and operates to a great degree, and despite incredible scientific advancement, outside our ability to control it. Right? <laughs> this is all yeah. the truth. Um, so... Uh, when disasters strike, we may have an immediate empath empathic response, but underneath we are often conditioned to believe that normal is where we all should be. The victims of the Boston Marathon bombings will take years to recover. Soldiers returning home from war carry their battlefield experiences within. Can we as a community keep these people in our hearts for years? Or will we move on, expecting them to move on, the way the father of one of my friends expecting his four-year-old son, my friend, to move on after his mother killed herself, telling him one morning that she was gone and never mentioned her again. So um, th this is, a, this is a, I mean, what strikes me here is, is when there is trauma and we have, you know, we have empathy, we have compassion, but for the person who this trauma happens to, either themselves or the near and the dear, um, those people, it's not just that day they receive compassion, you know, and it's not a week later, it's not a month later, it's not years later. In some instances, it's a lifetime that you are living with uh, this kind of trauma, grief, and it affects your life. and. And, you know, and it makes, you know, I, uh, um, in, in, uh, there's so many different cases. I can think back in my own life of, of, of really shitty things happening to people and how I felt completely, you know, wanting to be there. And I was there to the best of my ability, you know, for them. Uh, and, but then as time went on and then they were not able to, uh, assimilate the experience, or move beyond it. Uh, they, they, they were, you know, they'd be continually caught, be, you know, through memories and through incidents that would bring up whatever the, the trauma was. Obviously, uh, the post-traumatic th thing for soldiers is just, uh, you know, a, 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 a car backfiring. Forget about it, you know, and they're gone. But for those of us that are, you know, want to support them and so on. After a while, we can't have that same empathy that we had in the initial. So that's that's always something that um, has struck me. Yeah, I, it's a it's one of those things that's normal, but you know, it, it can be modified uh, by uh, uh, sensitivity, I suppose. And and but but you know, um, as as some terrific teachers have said. 
you can't feel guilty about it, uh, about the thing fading. But nevertheless, we can get better at it. I mean, that's what I think at any rate. And we can be more conscious of, of uh, these traumas yeah. in other people. I mean, it, it, it's so interesting the way when you get older, like I am, um, how you can look back and realize that unconscious behavior uh, adds to this. Uh, I was um, thinking recently, painfully so, about what a brat I was. Um, and I'm not talking about at the age of 13. I'm talking at the age of 25. And I was visiting my mother in England, and um, I was a bit of a, you know, a fop at that time, like all other English people of my generation. And I had this white silk suit that I treasured, and I bought it at uh, Barney's in New York. Mm, Took it to England because I was going to a wedding in in uh, in London, and it it got a stain on it, uh, on the shoulder, if I remember rightly. And my mum said, oh, I'll wash it, you've got to do it by tomorrow. I was leaving the next day. And um, she did, and uh, after she'd washed it, it would fit a puppet. <laughs> and I just yelled at her. Oh. I just yelled at her. I remember it now, and I think about this a lot. And what a brat. And then years later, you know, I just said in the ethers, I said, Mom, Sarah, please forgive me for this, because she was so down, crestfallen. A gentle woman, my mother, and never did harm to... She might have killed a cockroach or two occasionally, but that was it. And I look back on that and see that uh, youth is often cruel and can create trauma for others out of pure ego. I mean, I cared about that silk suit more than I cared about my mother's feelings. Whoa! And um, mm. it's that kind of thing. Uh, you know, um, Trudy Goodman... Jack Cornfield talk about this a lot, uh, massively wise American Buddhists, about um, these small sufferings. And mm -hmm. uh, that's what most, as Mark Epstein says, you know, a, a lot of these traumas are small, but they can cause enormous problems. It gets back to the Buddhist thing of right speech. I think I was guilty for many years of just speaking it out, you know, just mm -hmm. saying it. Yeah. And, being real nasty and not nasty, but, but, you know, just thoughtless really. And, um, when you look back, then you have to forgive yourself because these traumas are frequently caused, not as he says, by, you know, earthquakes and wars, but sometimes by the way we, we relate mm -hmm. to each other. Yeah. And I think what's important and, and why I really, uh, wanted to chat with you about this was, um, how we, we, we try and get out of all this kind of stuff, you know? I mean, if 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 it's directly happening to you, and just little things like happen to you, you know? So, you know, we want this to disappear. And again, so right understanding, we, we keep it, you know, the Buddhists have all of this really examined quite well. And so if we have a bit of right understanding of around trauma. Um, we don't have to try and get rid of it you know, it, it, we we can, uh, there's a way that uh, you can work with it. Um, it, it, it. You know, the reflect, here's what he says, the reflexive rush to normal is counterproductive, right? Mm. In the attempt to fit in, to be normal, the traumatized person, and this is most of us, feels estranged. 
While we are accustomed to thinking of trauma as the inevitable, inevitable result of, of a major cataclysm, daily life is filled with endless little traumas, exactly what you just said, David. Um, so um, the willingness to face traumas, be they large, small, primitive, or fresh, is the key to healing from them. That, I think, is the most important thing in, in this particular thing, which struck me the most. They may never disappear in the way we think they should, but maybe they don't need to. Trauma is an eradicable aspect of life. We are human as a result of it, not in spite of it. And so to those that um, are, are empathizing and uh, comforting people who are going through really difficult uh, phases and to the people who are actually, you know, have had this happen to them, the idea here that this is, you know, we need to work with ourselves. We need to have some understanding. This is part of life, and um, we, we, you know, we don't need to um, criticize ourselves, judge ourselves, judge others for not being there the way we expected them to be there not understanding us and so on and so forth, you know. And that goes back all the way to our first little uh, talk uh, or uh, review of, of the article from George around forgiveness. Forgiveness and compassion towards ourselves for our human predicament, that is in a, a large degree a, a giant step forward to be able to really handle the, you know, our life traumas and difficulties. So I, I think this is, uh, you know, Mark uh, struck an important uh, uh, note here. And uh, and uh, as I said, his book is out. And for those of you who are interested, again, it is the trauma of everyday life. And uh, is that too, was, was that too weird coming after this in light, you know, this beautiful music that we just kind of, uh, both of us were here just sailing off, you know, oh my God. Yeah. And then, you know, we had programmed, the, you know, this thing with Mark around uh, daily trauma. So, um, you know, that's, life is a juxtaposition. You're right. Of right. all of this stuff, isn't it? It's never one long flowing line of, of no. pleasure or pain. And uh, uh, it's just mixed, isn't it? I yeah. mean, you can go a long time, you can go a long time sometimes thinking oh things are great but you got to be real careful about that because uh it sounds like a lecture i'm gonna yeah. stop <laughs> I, I, you know cause okay yeah, i have to be careful about it you know? yeah okay well but i'll give here's a lecture i'll, I'll we'll end with a lecture okay? right not from you or i because we're um we we um we just don't have the uh the enlightened authority to to be giving any lectures do we now folks out there but um this this is a, you know this is the the big up level all right should we say and it's from uh kiabje lama zopa lama zopa rinpoche we love the rinpoches our consciousness is abiding at the moment as if we are living in a rented house okay this is the again this is our mindfulness antidote to all of, of the trauma and so on and so forth that we talk about. Soon we will have to leave this house to go to another house. We will get kicked out and the house will change. At the moment we have this shape. We are called a human being. 
and our consciousness abides in this body or form. Then after some time, the continuity of this consciousness migrates to another body according to how we have lived our life every day and according to those actions of body, speech, and mind done with good or bad motivation. So watch out, girls and boys. <laughs> you know, it, it, this cannot be taken like, it better be good or Santa won't give you anything. <laughs> this is not what he's talking about. But uh, he's talking about impermanence and how uh, once we realize this, we will not be so stuck in our attachment to our body, mind, and so on. And uh, at the same time, karma is real. So as David said, you know, thinking about speech and right speech and what he has said or not said and what he said to his mom in, in that moment, um, that is, is all real stuff. And, uh, and the more wise we become, the more we take this stuff, uh, uh, you know, not for granted. Yeah, I must say that in my uh, interaction with people in their 20s these days, I'm astonished sometimes, even by teenagers, that they're talking to me uh, as a much older person with some of these insights intact. And I look back at when I was a youth and, and how, you know, I wasn't altogether bad, but I think I was pretty self-absorbed and selfish in many ways. And I'm very encouraged by the fact that many people I know uh, that I meet around town and everything not just in yoga centers, but everywhere, I've already copped to this, you know, in a, in a way that I didn't. Uh, I'm very proud of them that, you know, because it's easy to take things for granted. Oh, well, they do yoga and they've studied this and that. But there's still people uh, who've not been on the earth in this incarnation too long. Another thing he said there, I think, or maybe mixing this up with another Rinpoche, was how we go to bed at night and we absolutely expect to have the same consciousness when we wake up in the morning. Mm. Number one, we may not wake up. Number two, uh, what is that about? Continuity of consciousness. Well, what he extrapolates from that is that we can use that as a metaphor. That we wake up in the morning with a consciousness that we can, we can identify with. Oh, look, here I am. Uh, and what he's saying, another great uh, wise men and women have said, is that that continuity of consciousness is similar to the uh, dropping of the body and moving into the next incarnation, if there is one. That the consciousness continues. What do you mean if there is one? Well, if you're Nimkarelli Baba oh, or oh, Dalai Lama, maybe not. Yeah, you know, yeah, but for most of us, uh, there may be a couple of million more <laughs> or whatever. But um, what it means to me is that uh, this continuity of consciousness is, is the, the ground of being. Uh, it is the, the sort of saving grace. Because you talk about karma and it seems very sort of cruel in a way sometimes. Okay, I made a mistake, I'm going to pay for it. But the continuity, hopefully, is a learning curve. Mm -hmm, exactly. It yeah. obviously is. And the fact that that analogy is made between... Because after all, you wake up in the morning, you never think, really, oh, I woke up, how amazing. Look, there's, the, there's, the, uh, there's my iPad right there, and there's my wife, and, and it's blue sky, and it's just the same, and it'll just go on. Um, it's taken a lot for granted. It usually happens, but eventually it doesn't. But what I think the Rinpoche is saying is that the uh, the saving grace of the design of the human universe is that uh, the, the consciousness mm -hmm. goes on uh, despite uh, that shape of the body, Raghu shape or David shape or Julie shape or Beckett shape. That goes, but something else uh, takes it 
an exact mathematical almost right shape comes based upon how much you learned in the school of the previous lives mm -hmm. and you know yeah. that's and, it. and your actions you know and that's your no actions yeah. 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 yeah all right well that is our lecture are we for done today our lectures yes. Whoa, oh god, god. We, we're sorry we oh god we what was you 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 stopped the pontification there yeah, well, I mean, you, you know, you can just go and look at Louis C.K. now or, or, yeah, or John right. Stewart do something. or Stephen or, Colbert. Go, go do that. Or go get that music <laughs> and help us out, too. We need your support, okay? So uh, please go get that music we played earlier on Amazon or anything you want. Uh, we thank you for the support we are getting, and um, we... Um, we also, by the way, uh, people are sending us notes. They talk about this, that, and the other, and and we are going to have a podcast where we're going to uh, we're going to take those topics and discuss them. We have uh, a couple that we're we want to gather more. So you guys have stuff out there that you uh, figure would be a good thing for Dave and I to to uh, wrap on about. Uh, please send it to us uh you know through uh, whatever medium uh th just go to mind rolling make comments there at mindrollingpodcast.com and um and we also may do something a little later on because we've been experimenting because of the MindPod network that we're setting up we keep talking about uh where we're going to do a live thing and just take live questions and and have uh, Dave and I and uh, whoever else, maybe even a guest. That'll be so, on Google Hangout, which yeah. is worth getting into if you're not into it already. Yeah, it's go. Really yeah, join, join uh, Google Plus, and uh, um, there's some great communities there. We have one uh, on the Ramdas side of things. There's a great one, um, Ramdas Google uh, Plus uh, community. Uh, so that's something else to look forward to. We look forward to seeing you all and. We won't see you. One day we may. Dave, been great. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.